This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Okay, I might mess this one up, but here we go. This podcast is brought to you by Clark Company Charts. Any chart for any sport, 24 hours, and it's $24.99. It can be made for just $24.99. Do you need a chart discussing the intricacies of Finnish defenders' hair length to shooting percentage? We have it made. Do you need a chart which correlates the difficulty that Ryan Mead has pronouncing a name to Corsi after an all-star break? Hmm, we got that too. Not a problem. Do you need a chart which includes embedded charts and an in-depth analysis of the ability of OAH goalies to stop high-dangerous shots in the third period in shorthanded situations? Yeah, we got that too. Is that what you're wondering? We got it. Trust CCC to have it made in no time. For all your graph, spreadsheet, PowerPoint, and Google Knox, Google Knox, Google Knox, hey, Google Docs needs, drop us a line at 573-499-4442. Now, is that the number to CCC, or is it a number to Jimmy Johns? I'm not sure. Give it a call. And, or you can email us at jc at chartsrus.com. Okay. Uh, was that real or not? I'm not sure. You give it a try. Now, one last quick, one last quick editor's note. We had an episode come out last week, uh, the Jay Bruce trade epidemic that Greg had to call me out on Wednesday night to do. And I know it was a little messed up at first if you downloaded the audio. I didn't merge the tracks because I'm a bad podcast host. Um, but it's fixed now. Uh, I appreciate all you for understanding. Sorry about the bad audio. Let's get going. Love you. Welcome to another week of the Blue Shirts Breakaway. I'm here with my host, Greg. My host? My, you're my coaster, Greg. My co-host, Gregory Kaplan. Greg, say hello. Let's cut the shit. Let's get right to it. All right, let's get right to it. So there's not that much for Ranger to talk about. Here's what we're doing on this podcast. We have a uh, wonderful guest. His name is Adam Stringham. He is a writer for a Capitals blog. We talk a little bit of crap with him about the Capitals season. Uh, we have our friend Jeff come on, who's been on the podcast many times before, to talk about the Devils, uh, which I know you're sick of at this point, but we also bullshit, and there's a bunch of nonsense in there. We hit on Game of Thrones, we hit on uh, uh, some questionable decisions for some friends, and that'll be all fun. But for right now, we got I have two quick Ranger pieces of news before we get to the two interviews. You ready, Greg? Ready. Let's cut the shit. Uh, first, and we talk about this a little bit in the interview later on, but NHL.com has ranked the top 10 goalies. You know, they have uh, Carey Price number one, they have number two is Brendan, Braden Holpe, and at number eight, right behind Cam Talbot, is Henrik Lundqvist. We don't care about these lists, and I, I shouldn't be offended, right? Like, these people don't know anything? No, shouldn't be offended. Top 10 lists are meant to do one thing, provide you summer traffic on a website, because they're all subjective. They all, everyone has their own list. None of them mean shit. The fact that one guy thinks Henrik Lundqvist is the eighth best goalie in the league does not mean Henrik Lundqvist is the eighth best goalie in the league. I don't care. I haven't read it. I'm not going to read it. It's stupid. And I honestly, before anyone asks, I don't know where I would put Henrik Lundqvist myself because it doesn't matter. The Rangers are a Stanley Cup contender with Henrik Lundqvist, and that's all that matters. That is that is true. Uh, and it, it is just funny because I think they rank him so low so they get more shares. Is that weird? Conspiracy time. 
Like I don't I, I don't think that's weird. I think you don't make a top ten list without a controversial pick. If you don't have a controversial pick, no one's gonna read it. It just feels like a conspiracy. Like, all right, so New York is one of the biggest markets. You put him right behind Cam Talbot, a little suspicious. A little suspicious. It's, yeah, it's all to it's all to drive traffic to the website. And good for them. Like I it's it's a good play because you know what? It got a lot of clicks and it got two people on a Rangers podcast talking about it on a Monday in August. So it did its job. Um I just I'm I, I don't care. It's not worth its weight in paper. Blue shirts breakaway. I don't care. <laughs> That's us. Um, number. If it's, if it's not about the Mets, I don't care. Uh, well, I can't with you. It, that season's <laughs> over. It's been over. Uh, it's been over. It's been over. Let's. This isn't like this isn't a situation where the Mets have wrote me a letter every day for a year. No, it's fucking over. Yeah, it's been over. All right, next thing. Uh, couple weeks or i think like two weeks ago we talked about rangers and media and how they don't really show their personality and i was kind of bitching about that and saying saying out there like listen the rangers i, I don't know who these people are so they go ahead and prove me wrong they listen to this podcast and they put mcdonough and brady shea on the sheets the streets of minnesota and i don't know if you've seen this greg but there's like sort of basketball players are doing drive-by dunks where they'll like drive around neighborhoods and like kids will be playing basketball and they'll just dunk on a kid and leave or like they'll dunk on a, a basket in the driveway while the kids are playing and they'll just get back in the car and go. Um, but Ryan McDonough and Brady Shea decided to do the, the slap shot challenge where they drove around Minnesota and took shots on nets and driveways. Now, what was so, so surprising to me about this is how many nets there are in driveways in Minnesota. I couldn't believe it. Like there was like it's a five minute video. I don't know how long they were driving around, but. They, there's like at least they take shots on like at least eight nets. That's crazy. How many nets have you ever seen on the, in a driveway in New York? Anywhere? Yeah, but New York is very different from Minnesota. Minnesota is a hockey hotbed. Yeah, of course. But like you know, there's nothing here. Yeah, I don't never. I never seen nets. I never even seen anyone in hockey oh, gear. There's nothing here by us. But you go up near Buffalo and Rochester, I'd say it'd be a lot more common. That's probably fair. Maybe I'm just biased here, but I think yeah, it was you're biased as fuck. Yeah, I, of course. I'm just making the point, but. I think it was really good for uh, the Rangers PR to show these guys have a little bit of personality. They're trying to have fun. Like, that's exactly what I kind of asked for out of my team. Not just have Amanda Borges sit with you for five minutes and interview you about your past life and your love for hockey. Like, these guys are showing personality and they're kind of goofballs in the video. And uh, Brady Shea wears salmon shorts, so now I can call him a bro. And I really get a lot it's out of that. It's been, it's been, a, it's really been a good offseason for Brady Shea because he also did this stuff with the kids at um, the like garden of dreams camp where the kids were asking him questions and he had really funny retorts to it. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a, it's very, it's been a very pro Brady Shea summer. I think his stock has risen without him having to play a single game of hockey. And, you know, he was pretty sheltered last year and he, everyone is high on him. He's like a high, hot potential rookie. He's a good looking dude living in New York. And yeah, I was about to say more ways than one. Hey, phrasing on this podcast. We're the best. All right, I think that's all the news I really wanted to touch on. We can go over to our first interview uh, with Adam Stringham. Um, anything else you want to you hit on before we get on that, and then we'll talk nonsense with Jeff and, and Devils? If you're a Met fan and you're still angry about the Jay Bruce trade, get a fucking life. Oh, my God. We did a whole podcast on it. Go back and listen to it if you want it. All right, let's go over to Adam. Here we go. Five, four, three, two, transition. And we're back with our first of many Metro Series preview. We brought on our, our dearest friend who we just met, Adam Stringham. He is the, uh, let me see here, the associate editor at japersrink.com. Is that correct, Adam? Yep, that's the one. All right, so I got to start off like this. What is Japers Rink? Inform me. All right, uh, well, Japers Rink is an SB Nation blog. Um, you know, I'm not going to be able to give you the full backstory here of why the website has the name that it does. Okay. Um, I guess but, we can move on then. <laughs> uh, I, I haven't been around that long. Yeah, we can move on. We're just a blog. I'm right for the cap. All right, wonderful. 
Uh, so listen, we're doing our Metro preview here. We're trying to get a feel for every other team. I guess I want to start off with a very obvious question, a little softball. The Caps were obviously very good last year. Now, the same result as always, but do you think this team, <laughs> this team going into this year is better or worse than last year's? Oh, very clearly worse. Um, the Capitals were due to lose some good players. I mean, all of the good teams did in the expansion draft, or they should have had to in the expansion draft. And the Capitals just—they really bungled free agency. Uh, you saw it with the loss of Marcus Johansson, trading him to New Jersey for for nothing. And this is a guy who scored 20 some goals last year. Nothing being a second and third round pick next year, but um, we all know that those picks likely won't turn into an NHL player. And if they will, it won't be in the Capitals' window. So they kind of just—they uh, really bungled the offseason, gave TJ Oshie too much money. They got pretty low expectations this year, or low relative to what I had last year for the Capitals. Let's let's. Let's look at the obvious one, because if you're a Ranger fan, the obvious one is it's clear as night and day. Were Capitals fans expecting Kevin Shattenkirk to come back? No. Um, Kevin Shattenkirk was always kind of thought up to be a guy that was going to be a rental. Um, the Capitals have had big problems with uh, cap management. Um, I'd say we, the Caps fans in general, expected a bit more than what we really saw from Shattenkirk. We know he's a really great defenseman. His advanced stats show that. His play has shown that over the course of his career. Um, but he seemed to struggle a little bit getting set in the new system. And I don't think the Capitals did him any favors when they paired him with uh, Brooks Orpik for some of the season. So um, ho- hopefully he'll kind of uh, do better for the Rangers, but not too well, considering he'll be playing the Caps a lot. We, we hope. Yeah, I'm like sitting here with my <laughs> fingers crossed, like ready for that. Yeah, I know. I was going to mention that Kevin Shattenkirk really didn't play up the snuff for you guys. But that kind of reminds me of when we traded for Eric Stahl a few years back. Like Eric Stahl did fine as soon as he went to Minnesota. But uh, with us, he just struggled because we never fit into our system at any point in time. So it was unfortunate, obviously, for you guys that Chad Kirk didn't perform up to the level uh, that he could have. And I will say I was rooting for you, but I will say I was rooting for you over the Penguins. So we both lost there, my friend. <laughs> yeah, well, anytime the Penguins win, it's, it's a loss for the rest, rest of the Metro. And uh, so it'd be nice to see a new team kind of take the crown there. Uh, Hopefully Washington, but who knows what we'll see moving forward. I mean, there are a lot of good up-and-coming teams in the Metro that it sounds like you'll be previewing over uh, the next coming days, weeks, however often you guys record. What what move was the most harmful this offseason? Was it the exodus of a player? Was it the Johansson trade? Or was a move like giving TJ Oshie eight years uh, more damaging to the future of the Capitals? What what do you, I, I don't want to be all doom and gloom. The Capitals are still a very good team in my mind, but... <laughs> If, if it was a rough off season, so I'm curious, at least for your opinion, as to which was the hardest move to swallow. Um, see, it's a good question because it, it, it's hard to analyze them all in the vacuum. Um, the TJ Oshie deal wasn't a great deal. Um, I, I really don't like the deal. But the thought could be that it, you, you're retaining a, a very good player for the next couple of years when the Capitals are still going to think they have a chance to win the Cup. Um, the problem with that deal is that uh, they low, They didn't expect enough money that they ended up paying to Dmitry Orlov and Evgeny Kuznetsov, and that made them lose Marcus Johansson in the salary cap. Um, but all of those players, I think the Capitals have the organizational depth to replace. Um, so I, I think I'm, I might be in the minority here for Caps fans, but I actually think the loss of Nate Schmidt in the expansion draft might have hurt them the most, um, simply because that they don't have anybody that can take that um, fourth D spot. Um, they're pretty weak on the left side. They've got Dmitry Orlov, who um, is a great young player, great young defenseman. They just locked up for term. But after that, it's going to be wide open on the left side. Um, you know, you don't want Brooks Orpik getting second-pairing minutes anymore. 
So I, I think that's going to hurt the team the most. And if the team knew they were going to lose um, Marcus Johansson as a result of the uh, the big contracts they give out to Kuznetsov, uh, Orlov, and Oshi, then they probably should have tried to give leave him exposed so that Vegas could have taken him and maybe they could have kept a bit more uh, mobility on the back end defensively. We do this with everyone, but you know we have Nick Holden. If you really need, yeah, a like defense. you need a guy. Like we got a guy, dude. Like we're ready to give him up. <laughs> uh, the Cowboys think they have a few young guys. Um, a Lucas Johansson, uh, brother of Nashville's Ryan Johansson. If I, I always get Johansson and Johansson mixed up, but um, the, he's supposed to be good. The Cowboys are kind of hoping that he maybe will make a run for it uh, at the end of camp, and Madison Bowie might be slotted to be on the third pairing on the right side. So it's it's going to be an interesting one for the Capitals. Um, it's going to be the first time in a few years they've really had uh, – they're going to have a, like, influx of young talent. Um, you'll see Jakob Rana playing on the third pairing uh, or third forward grouping or or maybe even the second. So the Capitals will be a bit of a new team next year. So it'll be interesting for the fans to actually see some fresh faces because last year was kind of the exact same squad we saw uh, the year before. And, of course, the Capitals fans saw the same exact result against the Penguins, except it took us seven games to lose instead of six. It was uh, – I, I know about Heartbreakers. We experienced two uh, this, off, this playoff season against a team that we I think was inferior to us still. Uh, so I'm right there with you. Yours was probably, I would say, up there in the uh, disappointing performance. Uh, it was probably – I would liken it to Game 7 versus Tampa Bay Lightning of the, for the Rangers. It was very, uh, very yeah. similar in aspect of disappointment. So uh, I, my condolences, but not too much, I guess. Because we're like kind of frenemies at this point. We're like, we hate each other, but yeah. we're also like, I mean, fuck the Penguins, you know? So. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and I know that you uh, you want to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, great, like, elite generational talents and uh, kind of their window, and I think that's kind of the, the frenemy connection is you guys have Henrik Lundqvist, maybe the best goalie of the last, like, 20, 30 years. I mean, it, no, it's probably uh, – it's close between him and, I guess, uh, Dominic Hasek and, you know, the, the other guys that are that great, but – he, he's one of the best five, five goaltenders uh, of all time, in my mind. And you've got Alex Ovechkin, who I think is the greatest goal scorer of all time. And um, I think both of them are now are, are a real danger of never winning a cup. And unfortunately, hockey is a sport that uh, values team success very, very highly when it comes to evaluating these players at the end of their careers. And I think we'd both like to see the guys get their due. So that, that's, uh, that's something that weighs on my mind every now and again. <laughs> let, let's talk a little bit about Ovechkin's window because, I mean – it's not again. I'm trying not to be the biggest Debbie Downer when it comes to the Capitals, but like Henrik, there's it's a limited window that is open for Ovechkin, especially the style he plays. He just he plays at such a high octane level that it's really impossible to imagine him being able to keep up this kind of performance for that much longer. What what do you realistically consider your Ovechkin window? How many years do you have left? Um, I mean, peak Ovechkin's done, right? So we go we go and look at Ovechkin and. Uh, I mean, he was great. Um, not the year before last, he still got 50 goals. He was he wasn't awful last year. I think a large part of it was a sub big reduction in ice time. But uh, you know, Ovechkin's not 0708 Ovechkin anymore. I mean, that single season was one of the most dominant ever. The guy had 65 goals, 112 points. He's not going to do that again. Uh, he's not as fleet as foot as he used to be. And, and I think the biggest thing we've seen in his game that's changed is he doesn't quite create his own chances like he used to. I uh, still manage to get a couple highlight ones against the Rangers every now and again. He's pretty but, good against um, us. Just going to throw that out there. Yeah, against the Rangers, he, he's on fire. I think uh, he scored more goals against Hen- Henrik Lundqvist than any other goaltender. So, um, well, when you don't play really defense like, like get... for years, it's quite easy. Yeah, we don't really right, play well, defense. I, I, 
I, I, okay, yeah, the Rangers don't win the events. I was about to say, I'm ready to defend Ovechkin's defensive game. Might not be great, but the guy's a winger. It's not the number one aspect of his game. The biggest thing is he's still got the shot. He's still going to be productive on the power play. Well, um, I was, talk, but, I was uh, talking about the Rangers play defense against him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, we don't, Mark, we don't you got some Mark Stoll back there. So. Yeah. And Girardi was back there for all those years, too. So, I mean, you guys kind of let Ovechkin walk around him, but. Um, we'll we'll see. Ovechkin's definitely struggled with the more mobile defensemen that are more comfortable, kind of uh, just kind of nudging out the body and then swatting away the, away the puck. And um, my hope is that he'll kind of look revitalized next year with some additional ice time. Or the Capitals have to mix it up a little bit to try to get him more engaged. So it's weird that you say like the Capitals have to try and get Ovi more engaged. That to me just like is is mind blowing. It's the one of the best best two players in the last ten years, easily. Yeah, but when you got a guy that's um, let's let's say you got a guy that uh, he's used to playing twenty three minutes a game, right? And then last year I think the Capitals bumped him down to about twenty or nineteen, which doesn't sound like a lot, but um, routine shifts are important. And when they, when the Capitals were shorthanded, you know, that doesn't get any ice time. And he really picked it up at the end of last season, and that's when the Capitals started ramping up his ice time to get him ready for the playoffs. And then he got uh, injured by a hit by. Oh, man, I'm blanking for a second. It's the guy that does all the dirty hits for Toronto. It was a very scary um, hit. I mean, I thought he was going to be yeah. done, and he played, like, the next game. Yeah, Somehow. with Kadri. Yeah, with the Kadri hit. And um, all, all in all, you just kind of uh, – maybe he would have been better. I mean, he still almost scored the game-tying goal against Pittsburgh in Game 7 in Washington. Um, if Flurry's stick had just been an inch further to the right or left, that was him. So um, I just think it would be great for Ovechkin to kind of – just have a bit more ice time during the year, try to get him 100% you know, firing on all cylinders. Because he's getting older. I mean, the Capitals exactly are, haven't been a, a team that struggles in the regular season. And um, I guess you don't want to talk about keeping a player interested, but I think it would be helpful for the team to have his ice time more regulated so he's always out there and he's always uh, producing. How important is a player like Evgeny Kuznetsov to the future of the Capitals? He's kind of your new building block, am I right? Yeah, the Capitals have got like two real strong building blocks on the forward core. They have Andre Burakovsky and Evgeny Kuznetsov. Um, both are, are European players that were, uh, I mean, they're actually both late first-round picks, but they both ended up being pretty exceptional so far. If you look at their um, rate stats for five-on-five production, they're they're pretty elite players. And the Capitals um, have done a great job with those late first-round draft picks, and um, they're going to be both of them be great. Kuznetsov, of course, was one of the leading point scorers a couple of years ago. He took a bit of a step back to start the year last year, but as time went on, he did a bit better. And um, I mean, as Backstrom and Ovechkin get older, I mean, again, we're talking about windows here. Uh, the Capitals want to extend that window. They're going to need a lot more from Kuznetsov, Burakovsky, and all these young guys to really keep it going. There's never any fear in your mind of someone. I mean, it's the NHL. No one really offers sheets anyone. But the only two players, like people were clamoring for people to offer, um, for teams to offer sheet either Kuznetsov or Dreisaitl, but I, I didn't realistically hear one re- one rumor of any substance that had any team giving Kuznetsov north of a $10 million off sheet. No, and, and the amount he got was still, I, I don't want to say it was outlandish, but it, it, it supposedly he played the return to Russia card, and that's what bumped his price tag up to $8 million, and that, that, that to me is a little steep. Kuznetsov's been a great player, but he's not as young as Burakovsky. I think Kuznetsov's 25. Um, 25-year-olds are, are really at their peak in terms of production. So if he's probably not going to produce that much more than he has over the last couple of years. And um, the Caps are really just going to hope that uh, the salary cap continues to go up and that Kuznetsov's production doesn't taper off. Luckily, he's a fantastic skater. He's uh, 
and his skills on the puck are really amazing to watch. I don't know how much you guys really watch him play, but the way he's able to move through the neutral zone is uh, is something to behold. I mean, he was so dangerous in the playoffs, and the points might not always have been there, but he was just always all over the ice, and uh, it's hard to defend a guy that might do something different every time he comes at you. Do you have any fear? Because I know it's something Ryan and I have talked about very casually. Do you have any fear that Ovechkin is just going to give the NHL the middle finger and go play in the Olympics this year? You know, if you had asked me about a week ago, I would have said no because, uh, you know, I think the over in Russia, some of the executives had said that the NHL players weren't going to come simply because they weren't allowed to come. But then a report came out, I believe it was yesterday or the day before, that Sarah Vetskin might still be going over for the Olympics. So, yeah, I am concerned about it. Um, the Capitals team isn't as good as it was last year, as we talked about however many minutes ago that was now. And uh, they, the, those games that Ovechkin's going to miss, let alone the suspension that might be coming after he misses those games, might make a big difference. Um, I'm not personally that worried that the Capitals make the playoffs, but crazier stuff has happened. And the Caps are in a bit of disarray right now. I mean, they didn't extend their – their coach, maybe this is his last year. So Capitals have a slow start. All of a sudden you have a coaching change and you have your captain going over to Russia. And I'm telling you what, if he goes over there, I don't, wouldn't be uh, expecting him to have the C when he comes back. Ooh. Ooh. That's something That else. would be some real drama. And not that not that the NHL needs well, drama, but it, but it would, be <laughs> ni- it would be nice, to be honest. It would be a nice storyline to, to talk around for a while. Well, I mean, you, you want to see your captain um, – representing his team and, and unfortunately i mean the nhlpa didn't lean on the league hard enough to get that themselves to go participate in the olympics and the nhl has not been a league that's been traditionally good at marketing its stars whether it be in the olympics or, or anything else so it's, it's it's unfortunate but that's the way it is and the capitals might need uh their leader to be their leader here and i'm not one of the guys that says take the cap and see away from ovechkin i'm not one of the guys that says he's the problem i'm just saying when the league doesn't let your player go you don't want the guy that's the face of your franchise to go and then miss God knows how many games because of suspension in the Olympics. We can't go a season preview talking about the Capitals without once bringing up the name Braden Holtby. Uh, I think clearly he's still one of the better goaltenders in the league. Um, what what would our Capitals fan expectation for Holtby be going into next season? Um it's tough. It depends on who you ask, because the Capitals fans were really optimistic, I think, about Holtby. He was great all last year, um, and he kind of sucked in the playoffs, to be honest. Um, I'm not going to say he's the reason they lost to Pittsburgh, but if he had not been so crappy in the first four games or five games, the Capitals wouldn't have been down 3-1. to one. Uh, The Penguins were scoring on God knows what percentage of their shots. If you guys go and look at those stats, I mean, it, it, it was brutal. Um, I think Hopi finished either the second round or finished the whole playoffs with an 87% save percentage. And you go, oh, why the Capitals not get past the second round? And last year it was actually goaltending. It usually isn't. So um, some fans are a little bit down on Hopi. It's hard when you're paying a goaltender so much money, as, as you guys know, up in New York, um, because goaltenders are a position where there are only so many guys that are actually that good. Um, and generally people believe, myself included, that Hopi is one of those elite goaltenders. But um, there's a lot of money tied up in him, and the Capitals need him to be a, a factor not just in the regular season but also in the playoffs. And it's going to be a little bit different for them this year because with the team not being as, as strong in front of him, he probably will be asked to do a lot more than he was in the past because his backup actually did exceptionally well last year as well, Philip Grubauer. Um, so, I mean, the team system definitely has played a part in Braden Holtby's success. Well, let's, let's, let's get to the nitty-gritty because I, th- I think we're Greg, can I, cut, can I cut you off for a second? Do it. I'm gonna thank you. Uh, so 
you were saying that, you know, Brandon Holpe was not really that great in the playoffs. Are you happy with his ranking on NHL.com for being the number two goal in the league? Um, I mean, when they have Carey Price in front of him. Is yeah, that they it? do. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't despise that ranking. He's a, he's a very good goaltender. I'm trying to think of guys I'd put ahead of him right now. There aren't that many. Um, Holpe's been a one of Vesna two years ago. He was a finalist last year. Um, I'm not shocked to have him where, he ha- where they have him, especially in a league that values wins so highly. Uh, he's the guy that wins a lot of games, and he's the guy that plays on a very good team, and he's part of that good team. So um, I-, I think if it was a couple years ago, I'd probably have Lundqvist higher. That's what we're trying to go with this. But uh, I-, I don't I don't think Lundqvist uh, had his best season last year. Um, so while well, I think overall he's probably got a bit higher talent, and there are definitely some nice stats out there to show individual goaltenders and what they've done. I, I, I think uh, it's not too far out of line to have Holpe as a top five goaltender in the NHL. Uh, can you just guess really quick where Henrik Lundqvist is ranked? Uh, I don't think you'd be asking me if it was somewhere that I think <laughs> is reasonable, so I'm going to guess like 12. He's eight, but yeah, he's behind Cam Talbot. Henry, okay. So yeah, very fun. All right, Greg, go ahead. <laughs> um, I, I despise player rankings. Like, player rankings that are simply just objective where there isn't hard statistical evidence to back it up. It's just the guy being like, well, I think Braden Hope is the number two. Like, good, good for you. Braden Hope is very good. That, I, don't, I don't think I would put Henrik Lundqvist um, number two on any list, but to put Cam Talbot ahead of Henrik Lundqvist right now is just insane. That's not the point of what we're trying to get here. Uh, let's, get, let's get to the nitty-gritty because you're obviously you're not just a capital writer, but you're a Capitals fan. How hard are the playoff losses year after year? Does it add up? Does it bother you? Do you stay awake at night? Do you wonder if life could be different? Like, what what is the mindset of a Capitals fan after all these attempts with a very talented roster not able to even get to a conference final? Yeah, I mean, it's – I mean, obviously, I'm on a bit more devoted end of the fan spectrum. Um, My dad and I have had season tickets, I guess, since 2007, 2008 was our first year, which just happened to be the first year they made the playoffs in the Ovechkin era. And, uh, you know, the – when I was younger, the losses in the playoffs were, okay, well, we're, the team's still young, you know, they, they, they're still going to have chances. And um, It really wasn't until like 2010, I don't know if you guys remember the Montreal series, the Capitals uh, blew a 3-1 lead as the one seed President's Trophy winners to Montreal with Yaroslav Halak stopping like 98% of the shots he faced the last three games. And uh, since then, it's kind of been a different atmosphere. The playoffs are something that, while well, I really enjoy watching them, they're incredibly stressful. Um I guess one story I can tell you guys is um, when uh, the Capitals, when Ovechkin scored in Game 7 against the Rangers, I guess in uh, Barry Trotz's first year. Yep. Um, yeah, so that was for the Capitals up one nothing in that in that Game 7. For the first time, I think, in, in probably like eight years or something, I allowed myself to imagine what it would be like for Ovechkin, really Ovechkin and the Capitals, to make it to the uh, Conference Finals, which that's my bar is the Conference Finals because, you know, for Capitals fans. And... Uh, it was just made it even way worse, and they blew it. Same thing last year when they were able to force seven against the Penguins, when they, especially with that dominating Game Six victory. So it does wear on the fan base. Um, people just, you know, it, there's so many times you can make it and be disappointed until eventually it just starts. You know, what am I really getting out of it? So, I mean, obviously I still love it. It's something I still spend a lot of time on. I talk about it on Jaybird Inc. Radio. Um, I do another podcast not related exclusively to the Capitals, but it is just a. Uh, it's draining to kind of invest so much time and energy in something and to have it never quite reach fulfillment. And especially when it's not always clear why they're not able to get it done. 
Um, like that team last year was almost perfect on paper. So <laughs> it's how you, it is. Do you take any solace in the notion that I think every hockey fan thought the Penguins Capital Series, even though it was in the semifinals, I think everyone viewed that as the conference finals. I Even if the Rangers beat the Senators, I had no expectation to beat either the Penguins or the Capitals I, in I the did. next round. I did. Just, just want Adam to know that I did. <laughs> realistic, realistic Ranger fans had no expectation to be either the Penguins or the. Just want to throw my two sets round. out there. Go on. Well, all right. So it it, it was. Um, I mean, it took a little bit of solace in it because, in my mind, it was kind of like that the year before too, right? I mean, I, I kind of thought that the uh, Penguins series in two consecutive years was almost a de facto Stanley Cup final. No disrespect to the teams in the Western Conference uh, or the other teams in the Eastern Conference, but uh, those were two powerhouses that. Uh, Capitals weren't able to. Capitals weren't able to be the team that gets over the hump, and that's just the way that uh, sports work. Is sometimes uh, a bounce goes this way or that. And really, last year I thought that was more the case. Um, the first year I thought the Penguins actually maybe were the better team and uh, how they played. Last year I don't think that was the case. I really think the Capitals uh, carried the play and weren't able to get it done. And uh, as is life in in uh, the nation's capital. I think that's honestly the biggest reason why I hate the way the NHL does the playoffs that they do. Because we, it's it's impossible, basically, to get a Penguins Capitals or Rangers Capitals or Penguins Rangers Conference Finals. That series is always going to happen before the Conference Finals. And I don't, I honestly, when the team, when especially when the Penguins and Capitals were as good as they were last year, there's no reason that series should have happened before the Conference Finals. Just none. Oh yeah, I agree with you 100. Um, percent The reason they do it why they do is obviously, or the reason my. Uh... My mind thinks they do it the way they do is to, to guarantee one of those matchups to really increase the chances that they get those marquee matchups, um, even though it probably does result in a, a lesser quality of teams making it further in the playoffs. I mean, no offense to Ottawa, but you look at that team, and uh, they just weren't that good. Um, yeah, I, well, I, really didn't, I mean, <laughs> they, beat I mean us. they beat you guys. But, yeah. I mean, but, but, I mean, look at the quality of that roster. I mean, that was a team that, uh, I mean, to be honest, I was kind of surprised they made it out of the first round. They were – they were carried by Eric Carlson. Sometimes that's all you need is an elite player and a hot goaltender, and you can you can advance to the um, to the Eastern Conference Finals. And we saw it with Montreal in 2010, and that stuff happens. But uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you right now that I'm I'm more confident in the Capitals and Penguins being again good next year than I am in Ottawa. So, well, I, no, no, I that's would, a, a big shocker. I, I will go to my grave saying the Rangers won that series in five games if Elaine Vigneault wasn't their coach. If just just a, a coach that isn't a complete and utter moron and do, and just looks at Mark Stahl and Nick Holden and decides they're bad defensemen. They don't play in the final five minutes of games two. And uh, what was it, game five, Ryan? It was game two and five, I think yes. it was, Yeah, The Rangers win game two and five simply if Mark Stahl and Nick Holden aren't on the ice with five minutes to go in the third game. It's like two minutes. And also, what Greg is trying to say is that we're big AV guys. <laughs> you know what? Um, every team is great for their coaching staff. Um, Washington's not not different, but I do know from uh, all the stuff I kind of look at in uh, Rangerland that uh, Alvino makes some especially questionable decisions late in that series. Um, I, I think that was probably the most extreme example of turtling maybe I'd ever seen. And uh, it, it, it really, he just, I didn't quite get what they were doing. And um, that, of course, was when the Caps were still in the playoffs. So I was just kind of, I was kind of happy with either matchup. So yeah, normally, <laughs> um, normally you turtle with good players on the ice, though. We were turtling with our worst defensive pairing on the ice. Yeah. Well, guys, that I guess they thought were defensively responsible, right? Isn't that the the 
the, the garbage you see from coaches these days. I mean, you put the guys out. I mean, you put Brooks Orpik out there when there's a minute left in the game. I mean, that, 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 that's our equivalent is Brooks Orpik. Adam, they're veterans. I don't think you get it. These guys are yeah, exactly, veterans and generals exactly. on the ice who demand respect. Yeah, and don't worry, AV, AV raised it up a notch by also having Tanner Glass on the ice. Yeah. So it was, we basically were playing five on three, or six on three, because they pulled the goal. And they had, Wayne, on the roster. they had Wayne Gretzky 2.0, <laughs> Pajot on the other team. Pretty incredible. So I, I, hate, I hate AV. I, I think I – I don't know if I'd want to go through the heartbreak Capitals fans go through every year, but I I would do something similar just to get AV off my – We do it anyway. Staff. What are you talking well, about? We do the same thing. Be, 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 be careful there, guys. You might, uh, you might regret what you wish for. Sometimes uh, – I'm going to tell you that maybe the most fun I've had watching a playoff in the last, you know, five, six years was the year that the Capitals didn't make it. So, uh, <laughs> then, you know, I just, <laughs> you just relaxed and had a good time, right? Yeah. You know, I just kind of enjoyed the game, enjoyed the quality of, of, of both teams and didn't have to think about the Temple matchups and uh, all that other stuff. So the best... all, all, all in all, being a Caps fan isn't that bad, but it's, uh, it definitely is a little trying and maybe it takes a couple of years off your life. One of the best thoughts I had last, not that I have many good thoughts ever, just to get that clear. Uh, but I was like, I can't believe I watch hockey for fun. It was like I was so stressed out. Yeah. I was sad. I was sitting alone, or alone in my room in the dark after, like, Ottawa beat us. And I was like, what am I doing? I'm just so upset about this. Why do I care so much? And now I host, you know, a podcast about the Rangers. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, it, it, it's, it's a tough uh, fandom thing because, uh, you know, you guys know that hockey is so predicated on luck uh, more so than, you, than other sports even. So it makes it double tough because sometimes the team that you don't feel like is the best still comes away with a win. All right, why don't, we, why don't we wrap this up with the all-encompassing, give me the best-case scenario outcome for the Capitals this season realistically and the worst-case scenario outcome this season realistically for the Capitals. All right, so the best-case scenario for the Capitals is obviously, the, in my mind, their window's still open. Uh, they, could, they could make the playoffs. Actually, it, the best case would, might not be that they win the President's Trophy again. It might involve them crossing over in the Atlantic and being able to kind of um, – deal with those teams and then maybe get to play to someone like the Penguins in the conference finals. Um, because I think the Capitals might just have a big weight off their shoulder if they're in a conference final, regardless of whether it was as a low seed or not. And we saw a team like Nashville be successful with it last year. Um, but the worst case scenario would probably be, um, you know, you see the Capitals are in a losing straight to start of the season. You got a coaching change. Um, the ship starts to be right. And then all of a sudden, Ovechkin, Kuznetsov and Orlov, I'll dash over to uh, go play in the Winter Olympics. Capitals fall out of playoff contention, get eliminated. Um, and then you end up just with drama all year about uh, how the Capitals' most expensive players left and uh, cost the team a potential last chance at Stanley Cup glory. That I could see that, that that scenario would just be an absolute disaster for the franchise. Before you go, I feel like both our teams have this, like, we could make the playoffs and make a deep run, or we could be absolute disastrous feeling about them. They both feel very similar in that in that aspect, especially in this strong Metro. Yeah, the Metro division is really tough. Um, I've actually thought there were a lot of teams with really great off-seasons in the Metro. I really liked what we saw, especially from Carolina. Um, I think they're going to be a really strong team. Um, I mean, New Jersey got better. God knows if I'll actually be able to do anything with it. And, um, you know, the the Rangers are definitely a team that they've still got, Henrik Lundqvist. So uh, I think they're always going to be a threat. But Washington's talent might be enough to carry them through one more time. But um, they're, they're getting older, and there's only going to be so many cracks at the can before it's time to kind of uh, go through a quick retool here. And 
I think the Capitals are hoping that this will be another shot because that TJ Oshie contract is going to make a retool much, much harder to get done. You're good. You're going to get that. That thing's going to be taken care of once the lockout happens. So don't worry about it. Yeah, those compliance buyouts are going to be wonderful. It's going to be wonderful. So, all right, Adam, we really appreciate having you on. Uh, but what, before you go, we have to ask you one last nonsense question we ask everybody. Actually, I want two. We'll do two. First question, uh, is a hot dog a sandwich? Um, geez. I know. I know it's tough. The hesitation uh, makes I, me think I, you know, it's tough because I, I, I want to say yes, but I saw an argument on Twitter the other day okay. that just meant so it, that made sense. It goes, but if you have a hot, how can a hot dog be a sandwich if it's still a hot dog if it's not in a bun? That's what I'm talking about, man. That, that, that's my guy. The hot dog is the meat, but if once you put it in a bun, it's a hot dog sandwich. What is it? What? It's just meat outside of the bun, yeah. my friend? Yeah, it's just a hot dog outside of like it, It's still meatballs, but once you put meatballs so, 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 in a but then it's a meatball sub. It's not called a hot dog sandwich or a hot dog sub. You know that that's the. Uh, I, I think I got I got to go with no, no sandwich. My man, I love that. All right, one more question. Classic, classic. One more, one more food question, <laughs> my friend. Uh, so in this example, you know the size of a Swedish meatball. I'm assuming. Uh, how many, uh, or, or, okay. maybe, or maybe not. No, this is not. This is not bad. Sorry. Uh, how many meatballs could you eat if you had to eat a meatball a minute? So like every minute, uh, yeah, guys. every minute, sixty uh, seconds, you eat a meatball. Give me, give me a, uh, give me like a bit of a size of some Swedish meatball again. All right, so like it's like, I, a, I've so, seen them it's like a little bit bigger than a quarter, like you know, round circle meatball. Oh, and you only have to eat one a minute. One a minute. You're saying? Yeah, one a minute. Every sixty you know, seconds, like, you got to pop a meatball in. When I was in college, we do like weird stuff, not with like Swedish meatballs. We did like one like eating challenge, and I thought we'd be pretty good at, it, and I was awful, so. I'd probably be able to do like 30 or something. That's a good answer. And then I'd feel Solid. really, yeah, no, I think that'd be it. So I've had people tell me eight and I that hate those people. It. All right. Eight? Eight. That's what I'm saying. Eight. And then I tell, and, and then I say like, like what if I gave you $10,000? They're like, well, I would do like 60. I'm like, of course. And the answer is not eight. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Then it's just 50. Come on guys. Yeah. Come on guys. All right. I really, I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for dealing with our nonsense at the end there. Uh, please come back on during the season when the Rangers and Cats are playing and we'll bitch at each other. Anytime, guys. It was a lot of fun. All Thanks right. We'll talk to you soon, man. Have a good day. All right. Okay. You too. Bye-bye. Hey, we're back with our good friend, Jeffy. Hey, Jeff. What's yeah, up, I don't man? know about this, <laughs> What's, up? What's up, Jeff? Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're still back on the Jeffy thing. Huh? Yeah, Jeffy Belitsky's. <laughs> uh, just great having you on, bud, our local Devils fan. Uh, listen, we had you on a couple, like, I don't know, 10 episodes ago to talk a little bit about the draft and Devil's situation. So we're not going too in-depth here, but nothing's really changed. We just want to kind of get a feeling for the Devil season. Are you excited to be in last place in the Metro? Uh, so hold on. Ho- first, first question. Why the fuck have you not been on Discord? Oh, but don't, so call, don't call him out hard. on our personal shit right now. This isn't about it, that. It, I've explained this to Ryan before, I think, and you yourself. Uh, it's just so hard to get back into the conversation after you've left it and like i feel like that there's nothing that important or like funny that i can say that i just kind of want to sometimes be like hey guys can i jump in on whatever we're talking about but then i have to like scroll up for like a little bit to get all the context it's it's just a very difficult time to get back in the pool okay well i always jump in without context same, so you I, have my blessing to do my whole same. life is jumping in without context in just in yeah, general everybody in the discord knows who you guys are and you obviously run the show, so like you have a little what? bit different Me? place to come from. So all right, I don't know. You, you've been I'll, on the show like five times. Better. 
You don't have to be better. Yeah. I'm, I'm just. But yet, I don't get pointed out when you guys are snorting Coco Loco in the car, and I'm standing right next to it. Was I yeah. no point? Where you're just like, I hey, said... by the way, this is Jeff. He's been on the show. Was I supposed time. to be like, Jeffy, get in here and snort some coke with us? Well, I thought Greg was gonna throw out the side of the car, so I actually have to open the car door for him. The, cho- the Coco Loco experience, and I said coke there, but I really meant Coco Loco, was awful. It was nothing. Nothing good was about it. There was it nothing. At, at no point did I ever consider like, hey, maybe these guys like are having a good time with this. It never occurred to me. Well, my question stands. Uh, how does it feel to be in last place next season? Uh, I would not feel good if we were in last place next season. I hope we're going to be better than we were last year, or at least somebody can fall out. So, who do you think? Who know. do you think it's realistic for the Devils to finish ahead of? I mean, Carolina. If the goaltending works out with Darling, like that could be something. I'm, I mean, Philly, hopefully. I definitely think we're better than them. Like we got better in the offseason. I think the Islanders could be below us. Okay, Unless, that's fair. you know, I, I, guess, I, guess I think those Islanders are all could. realistic. And even even Columbus too. Like I'm not expecting to finish ahead of Washington, Columbus, or the Rangers. Or I just want to be competitive. And I think any one of those like three or four teams, like it would not surprise me if the Devils finished ahead of them. Fair enough. Uh, we've talked a lot about Hersher, Heisher. Heisher. We've talked a lot. Sure? We've talked a lot about the number one overall pick with you, um, <laughs> so I don't think we need to get too much into that. But I know for a fact he's not the only rookie you're excited about. Uh, no, uh, very, very excited for hopefully rookie uh, Mike McLeod, who was our first round pick last year. He was in Mississauga, um, really tore it up last season. Did well in the playoffs afterwards. Um, plays internationally for Team Canada. Um, I mean, I. Don't think he's AHL eligible, so either he's back in juniors or he's on the team. So seems pretty likely he's going to be there. Really got a lot of speed, a lot of skill. So uh, definitely the guy that I'm looking forward to. I have an important question. Nico. Yeah, is he related to James McLeod or Fox McLeod? Not that I'm aware of. Okay, just wanted to let. But you did, want to know how bad the off season did, like <laughs> news has gotten? Okay, I didn't actually do this, Greg, but I did text you about it the other day. Somebody in the Devil subreddit has been posting like shift by shift videos, like twenty minute long, from like just a full game of every one of their shifts. And I was very seriously contemplating watching like a twenty four minute long Mike McLeod uh, shift video from like the OHL playoffs this past year. I'm gonna That's be how honest. Bad it's gotten. When you told me there was a twenty four minute shift video of Mike McLeod. I thought for some reason he was on the ice for 24 consecutive minutes <laughs> and you were just going to watch the entire thing unfold. And he, even for a second, I was like, I mean, if you're on the ice for 24 straight minutes, I might have to tune into that just to see. How I mean, if out. you want to see a man die on the ice, I think that's how to do it. Uh, oh, let's, let's parlay this perfectly from our last interview to you, because we talked about how we talked with a Washington Capitals writer before we come to you by the name of Adam Springham. 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 Writer for Japer's Rink. He was telling us about how bummed he is of the Capitals' end of the Marcus Johansson trade, which brings us naturally to you, the Devils' end of the Marcus Johansson trade. We've talked briefly about this trade with you before, but I I honestly think this was one of the more underrated moves of the offseason, so I want to hear your take on it and how it will impact the Devils moving forward. I I mean, how how could my take be anything other than this is a fucking amazing trade for the Devils? Like, (laughs) We gave up uh, cap space and some picks – for, you know, a, a solid, you know, second, possibly first line right winger. Um, fills a need that we def- desperately have, like, really great on the power play. All the stuff from the cap side, I'm seeing, like, oh, he's really great putting, putting pulling the puck through the neutral zone on the power play and all this stuff. So, I mean, 
just a really solid move. Like they had a need for dumping, you know, cap space. We have plenty of it. Like these are the exact type of moves that uh, Shiro should be making. And it's, it's a slam dunk for the devils. Was there a move this off season you wish the devils made? Uh, I think, I mean, the Brian Boyle trade, uh, not trade signing is an under the radar, good depth signing when you're building up a young team. Uh, Obviously Keith Kincaid, our friend is back with the devils for a couple of years. Is there a move you wish in hindsight the Devils did make outside of maybe Kevin Shatker? No, I mean, it, it, it all really depends on what the market was out there. Like, you, I was with you guys on, you know, the first day of the pre, um, sorry, this, uh, free agency season uh, when Shatt and Gert got signed. And, you know, we're just talking about the other options that are out there. It's just really not a thing. So what you're really looking for is for him to make a trade. You know, the fact that Shattenkirk was such the biggest name out there shows what the, you know, defensive market looks like. It just doesn't seem like there's a lot available. You know, say teams like Anaheim have like a ton of D to sell, you know, teams like the Predators, you know, also looking to offload maybe some of that depth that they have at the defenseman side. Um, But it just doesn't seem like anything's happened so far. Doesn't really seem like there's any rumors out there either. So I don't really know what could be happening. I don't necessarily feel like there's something that they really missed out on other than say something like a David Schlemko signing, like where you get somebody super cheap or I'm sorry, it was a trade for Schlemko, right? Yes. It was, uh, I think like a, a fifth round pick maybe. Yeah. But so, something like that, like that, that's a really good move, but would it really make sense on the devils? I don't know because at this point we don't need more, you know, four through six guys. We need, you know, ones, twos and threes. It's not really, while it would be something that we missed out on, it's not necessarily that would have helped the team that we're trying to build. All right, that's enough yeah. Devils. <laughs> oh, I, I, had, I had two more. I oh. had two more. Oh, Greg, go okay. ahead. Sorry about that. Um, the first, and it kind of comes back to the Rangers, The this year's big top, uh, I, a notable NCAA free agent who will be eligible to sign with other teams in the next couple of days is a Devils draft pick by the name of Alex Kerfoot, and he's a center. And it sounds like the Rangers are going to be involved. Obviously, there's a Harvard tie between Kerfoot and Rangers signing last year, Jimmy VC. Is there disappointment on your end uh, that the Devils were not able to make something happen with Kerfoot? Um, obviously, it's always disappointing when you see, like, you know, a top college prospect like that, that it doesn't work out for your team. But we're so deep at center right now that it's, it's really like we have better options there as far as we, as far as we go like if if we signed him he's not making the team this year no matter what so what are we really missing out on maybe it was a former draft pick you know probably not a very early one i don't even know when kerfoot got taken but um no i don't really think we're missing out too much on that uh and then same thing we did with adam we'll do with you give me the best case scenario this year for the devils and the worst case scenario this year for the devils uh Best case scenario would be somewhere 95 point range and they get into the playoffs. Um, I don't think they have what it takes unless these rookies and, you know, first or second year guys really, really step it up. Like guys like Zaka who kind of been around for a few, you know, a year or two and should be taking more of a leadership role and, you know, establishing himself. Um, Worst case scenario is that, somehow we're worse than last year and like Schneider gets injured and we not that Keith's not going to hold us down, but that we just, you know, lose like 
a shit ton of games in a row and just there's no sign of hope. Uh, but I think it'd be really difficult for it to be, you know, a more hopeless season than last year. Wouldn't you want to tank one more time? Just... No. <laughs> okay. It's fucking terrible. You're done with it? It doesn't work. You look at it's a why would we do tank? You had a team like Colorado last year That's who true. were dog shit and far and away the, the worst team. And somehow we ended up with the first pick. If we lucked into that, we're not going to intentionally try to get into that situation. Philly getting Plus, the second I think pick we have. Worse. It's way worse. Oh, way worse. Way worse. So, I mean, why even try it? It doesn't make any sense. You're right. You're right. Um, at point. a certain point at the end of the year, if you're just like, all right, the shit's already hit the fan, like, may, might want to rest a few guys and lose a few so we get a better chance. That's one thing. But, you know, trying to tank for the entire season just sounds absolutely miserable. I would never even consider it. You might I guess my last question before I ask you the <laughs> okay, Greg. best or worst case scenario. I, I honestly forgot about this. I'm watching this couple look for their cat, and I can't open my window to tell them the cat ran across the street under the garage. <laughs> and it's just one of the more heartbreaking things I've ever seen. If but you it, open the window in the pocket, a, your cat is missing. It's on the street. <laughs> if, if it was a dog, I would have made a real effort. But since it's a cat, it's just like, eh, what are you going to do? Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, has the window closed for you on a Corey Schneider trade? Yes. Yeah. We're, we're, we're too invested right now, and he's too good unless we were getting some crazy good return for it, like a one-for-one one type deal with, like, you know, a top defenseman and, you know, something else to kind of I – I, I like Keith. I really like Keith, but I don't, I don't think he's a full-season type of guy. So we've got to have something, you know, to fill that gap at the starter position. Uh, Kerfoot, by the way, 2012 fifth round pick by the Devils. Okay. Yeah. So what's. I'll just say this. I um, wish Keith was no. our backup goalie. Just throw that out there. Oh, no, no, no. He's. I want him over any other backup goalie in the league. I just. Oh, I didn't. I, I didn't try and say, yeah. imply that you were saying that. I'm just saying I wish yeah. Keith was our backup goalie. That's all. Yeah. All right. Fair. Well, uh, he's ours. Let's, let's talk some absolute <laughs> nonsense. Thanks. We'll suck it over here. Thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> I have a feeling our backup goalie is going to be a point of contention. Um, come this season, so we'll. Well, we'll I don't. We'll get because to it. it's a backup fucking goalie. All right. Well, we're gonna fight about it. All right. There we go. Uh, let, <laughs> let's do some nonsense, Greg. You were telling is this me this a new Denning? No, definitely not. But, I know. Imagine uh, Andres Pavlak is the next Ranger we get on this podcast because we thought he should have a bigger role with the Rangers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that'd be the fucking day. Yeah, that's let's talk day. about how awful the Rangers season went. That that's a storyline. That's uh, that would be miserable. Uh, this Metro is gonna be so hard to deal with. Uh, let's let's move on now to nonsense. Our dear friend, Nonsense. Greg, before we started this podcast, you were telling me about... Well, let's let's just phrase this. You were at Saratoga for the weekend at a bachelor party, right? Sure was. Uh, a couple of our friends went down there. We've talked about some of them have been oh, on really? this podcast. Yeah. Jeff, were you there? No, no. Oh, wasn't that's invited. weird. I wasn't there either. Um, So weird. I um, wasn't invited, but I'm not friends with those guys. Oh, wait, I am. Oh, but did you, in, do you invite people to your house? Yeah, it's so weird. I did for invite things that you either. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I did. That's, cool. that's weird. All right, a little bit of inside baseball. Now... I'm so excited for... I know exactly... Our friend whose bachelor party it was listens to this podcast. Yes, he's he going to get to this part of the podcast <laughs> and just put his hand in his face yeah. and just be like, God damn it. God damn it. All right. Uh, thanks. Shout out to Pat. But uh, something happened to you with the track. You want to elaborate on it? Okay. So first of all, we're at the track all day. Obliterated. We packed, I think, 10 coolers full of Bud Light. We brought over 200 beers to the track for, so like 16, for 16 people. What the hell? Uh, it, was, it was a power move, and I don't regret a second of it. But it started raining around 4.30, so we were sitting outside. We took some cover underneath, like, an overhang or in the grandstand. And we're just, you know, chewing the shit. 
watching the rain go by, blah, blah, blah. No one's running horses, yada, yada. A guy walks down from the grandstand, sees we probably had three coolers still full of beer at this point, um, sees the coolers on our benches, and decides that he's going to try and make a power move and walk away with one. Whoa. And everyone everyone under the grandstand is Wait, a cooler not, or a beer? Cooler of the beer. So, like, oh. there are probably 30 beers in this cooler. Um, and everyone's not really paying attention to what's in front of them. It just so happened that, like, the person I was talking to, I was looking out towards the track, um, and I'm just watching this guy try and come away with the cooler. And the way it was described, is, I'm, I'm hammered at this point. The way it was no described way. to me is I went from having <laughs> the way a very was, normal wait, conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not hammered. You're 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 more than that. If you the way it was described to you. Uh, well, I the way my reaction was okay. Okay, let me let me keep going. Okay, Greg's sorry, hammered. Sorry about that. Get out. And this guy is starting to walk away with our beer, and I'm having a very normal conversation with someone at a very normal volume. And out of basically out of nowhere, I go from zero to sixty, and just like, oh, what the fuck are you doing? Like just yelling at this guy. And he's like, oh, what? I'm, I'm just getting my cooler. I'm like, bullshit, you're getting your cooler. That's my fucking cooler. And, like, I'm just, like, yelling at this guy, who, by the way, could probably kick my ass with his arm behind, tied behind his back. Oh, yeah. His, but, yes. But I got I – got, our buddy Vin this – is, this is the part of the story that, uh, that really grinded my gears. Our buddy Vin, who's been on this podcast before, is standing next to me. And he was the guy I was basically having the conversation with. And it was a fight-or-flight moment with a friend. It doesn't matter, like, what – Vin had no idea what was going on. So Vin figured, oh, it's it's Greg being an asshole. He's just picking a fight because he's Greg. Not an unfair opinion for him to have. It's definitely but not, that, by the way. I can picture this moment in my head, by the way. It's but, terrifying. But in that moment, Vin, Vin had a choice. Vin could have stood next to me and tried to cool me down or intervene in this fight, or he could have ran away. And Vin, being the puss-puss that he is, decided to run away. <laughs> hey, it's 2017. We don't say puss-puss on this podcast. Now. Sorry, uh, being the bitch bitch that he is. Well, decided to appreciate that. Thank you so much. Now, I'm assuming you want well, to know well, what well, we the would story do. Is mother, motherfucker didn't get away with our cooler. Okay. Uh, wait, wait, when you say ran away, did he mean like he just shied behind like somebody's shoulder? Or like he physically like he, ran he made a He made a beeline to get away from me as fast as possible. Like he when you notice like you're in the middle people. of a dance circle and then you now, just jet to the side? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Now, okay. I know Vinny pretty well. Uh, I, I happen to be somehow going to Europe with him for 10 days, and I'm terrified about that because of this reason. There's sometimes – you were saying the, the situation was to, as described to you. Vinny's as described to's are way worse than yours. Was he maybe not in the proper state at that point in time? Vin, oh, Vin, Vin was able to operate a motor vehicle. Oh, this is a whole different story. Yeah, yeah Vin, <laughs> Vin – uh... Vin got Vin had a test early in the day, so he got to the track. Oh yeah, late, I forgot Vin he, had a test. He had he had a beer or two, but uh, I bet you Vin Vin was able to drive home from the track no problem. Okay, all right. So uh, I was I will say I am disappointed, but not surprised by the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's just it, it's just funny because every one of our friends was just looking at me like, you went from you you got heated real fast, and I was like, motherfucker was stealing my beer that I paid fourteen dollars for. I know exactly like, what happened with you. It, I, yeah, I can picture I the rage in your face, like, and I would be right there soothing you down like a dragon. Like, come on, Mother, motherfucker was trying to make away with my beer, beer that I slaved over to bring to the track in the first place. Yeah, you can't. I just... was not about to have. I was not about to have fucking ginger bro with the army haircut make way with my hard earned beer. Yeah, but can can you finish the story though? Did he just like drop the cooler and walked off and be like, "Oh, sorry, bro"? Or did you know, he, like the most the most unbelievable part of the story. Oh uh, wait, hold on, you I... guys. 
Wait, hold on. Hey, never finished the story. Wait, one second. One second. I have two. I have a question. Did he pick up the yeah. whole cooler? He didn't just check, try and take entire, one beer. Entire cooler. Oh, that's even worse. Entire cooler. Oh, okay. That's what you. That's why I asked at the beginning. Okay. Um, he picked up the entire cooler. What? The most unbelievable part of the story is Brian May played Peacemaker. No one who sings this it, podcast knows who that is. So, but you guys do, which is all that matters. Yeah, no, I the, want to explain. The, the give give some backstory, Greg. Tell us, be a storyteller. <laughs> Brian May's the biggest asshole I know. There you that's go. the backstory. That's, that's, that's really that's all you need to say. Fucking love the kid. Fucking love the kid, but he's the biggest I asshole. I connected I with him on LinkedIn um, this week. Very nice. He, uh, the guy, like the guy, was trying to play it off so confidently, like, "No, it's my cooler." And like the keynote was me being like, "Bet you a hundred fucking dollars, it's not your cooler." And the guy How ends up walking to us, dropping the cooler at my feet. Brian May gives him a beer, and the guy runs away. So really. It was nice of the guy to bring the cooler out of the ring to us. That was very nice. Okay. This is really you really throw, throw around the term runs away a lot. He walked away. Okay. <laughs> Vin, Vin, Vin was near run, though. Like, he, was, he went to a different group of friends almost. He was a quick hop. He had his, yeah, his four, Vin, Vin's 40 yeah. time was pretty good that day. Vin, yep. Vin could have been less in on this not even brawl. I guess what I really want to say is I would have had your back and I would have soothed you, my friend. And I would have said, yeah, real friend, let's, let's negotiate Jack. with this man and say, my friend, we're all having a great day at the track. Have a nice beer. Have one and I know beer Jeff would have been, Jeff would have been standing next to me smoking and <laughs> like at least, at least too lazy to move. Like, I don't know if Jeff would have thrown a punch if it came down to it, but Jeff would have stayed by my side at the very least. I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Listen, I just don't get that angry. Yeah. Also, why would I, I, I negotiate I, with somebody who's stealing your shit? I would. I would have the same reaction Greg had. I would have been. Yeah, like, I, I would have been like, we're all we're all pretty not it, in the right mind it, here. Let's honestly, just... if it was somebody stealing my shit, I would. I would probably get angry. If it's like a misunderstanding, like within a crowd, like say at like a concert or a sporting event, that's when I'm usually like, hey, we're kind of both being assholes. But if somebody's trying to steal shit from you, fucking go at them. Just go at them, Greg. Yeah. You might lose, but it's worth it. No, no. Well, oh, like in hindsight, as soon as this exchange ended, I. And I got the beer back. I was like, that guy could have killed me if he really wanted <laughs> he to. He could have murdered me cold blood. Yeah, like, you're in a public those, place, though. What are the odds? And, but that's one of those moments where I came out so hot initially that I think it, it threw the guy off a little bit. Okay. Like, it wasn't just a, like, it wasn't a casual, hey, what are you doing? That's that's not yours. It was a, what the fuck are you possibly fucking thinking right now? That's yeah, you, you asserted your dominance. Also, he probably went into that being like, Oh shit! I hope nobody does. Nobody sees me. I hope nobody sees me. Hope nobody asks me whose beer this is, and then you fucking yell at him. He's probably caught in the headlights. That's it. That was it. All yeah, right. Well, basically, so basically what you guys see here is, yeah, Vin, I'm a hardo. Yeah, that's all you need to Vin, know. And Vin ran away. <laughs> so that that's good. Uh, I I guess I was gonna do some more nonsense, but should we just go to Game of Thrones at this point? Let's go to Thrones. Okay. Well, because this is what nonsense. Uh, I I don't even know. I was gonna talk about. Never... I was gonna talk about my Santa party that Greg wasn't at. Um, let, let, let's say you go in the grocery store and you're asked to pick up nonsense. Is this, is, is this no, the kind I, of nonsense you're going to try and... I can't. All right, let's go to Thrones. Uh, I thank everyone for staying this far if you're not a Thrones watcher. If you're not a Thrones watcher, I'm not sure what you're doing because it's the most popular show in TV. It's, most, it's more popular than pretty much... Is it? Thrones beats hockey ratings, right? Easy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. What do you, what do you Everything guess? beats hockey ratings. Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, I, I don't know why I even asked that question. Can I talk, wait, can I talk about this for a second? No. Yeah, of course. It is bullshit that... There is NH there's NFL preseason in prime time on network television and NBC won't broadcast any fucking national games during the week. It, that is a crime. It is ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I, well, it, like okay. I get it. I, I understand football so popular, all the money, blah, blah, blah. But it is just so frustrating to see that when I don't even think MSG is broadcasting all the devils 
preseason games and there's more there's already been more nfl preseason games played on tv so far because they get better add, ratings will, than the stanley cup finals well i will add, no, but i, I can't even the, see my own team play the preseason i will add the only caveat, broadcast all the games i will add the only caveat that it is summer programming for uh networks as well and they do not have new shows running right now so they'd rather have a live meaningless sporting event in prime time yeah. than say I in I october it, when i don't know what the fuck is on it this is us like NBC, if there was a new episode of uh, This Is Us on during a football preseason game, I don't know if they'd preempt it for preseason football. They would. They would. No, they'd but put, uh, that's not the argument I'm making. The, the argument. Well, I'm not making an argument. I'm just saying I'm if, bad about this. If there was a regular season hockey game on in the summer, I think NBC would put it on. But the fact is that that hockey plays at the same time NBC shows are back. I'm not trying to defend. Like I'd, I'd, I'd love to watch hockey on NBC. It would make my life a lot easier. I don't know why I'm trying to defend networks here. Fuck I networks. I just want more NHL in my life. The networks That's are the trying to steal beer for me of uh, cable television. TV's I'm dying. Get, Guys, TV's like, just it's, to, it's on its way out. Just so we're, we realize that, right? Like Facebook, Twitch, not Twitch, Facebook, Amazon, they're going to get into the TV game soon yeah, and, and buy but, sports. It's going to be over. But TVs will still exist and television shows will still be made. Like, just for all the concepts. Cable won't exist, is what you're trying to say. That's true. Yeah, like Disney just announced yeah. they're gonna take all this stuff away from Netflix and make their own Netflix, which is like, what are you doing? You're just making cable 2.0 where I have to subscribe to certain networks. So I don't know. It's all bullshit. Well, what's even crazier is like Transparent is now being broadcast on like IFC or some shit. Is that true? So they, it's so like they, a, they a stole, show went from the internet to television. They sold the rights? Uh, I saw it was being syndicated, I think. Huh somewhere i feel like all all those shows are being made now to be to be put on streaming like fx they just make shows that are ready for streaming that's it oh yeah I, it's fucking genius and they're all good by the way so good for fx killing it all right let's go to thrones uh <laughs> thank you all I'll follow us on twitter blue should break jeff you, you want to be followed anywhere uh no but i i do want to ask if i could put this plug in i'm uh part of the running of the hoboken dart league oh no so if anybody is in the <laughs> Hoboken area and is interested in playing darts this fall season, just send an email to HobokenDartLeague at gmail.com. It sounds like, Jeff, that you're going to have an ad for Ryan to read. Yeah, I could just like read an ad for you. I could the, do that. At the beginning. Yeah. I, didn't I, even, I didn't even get that far. Yeah. Uh, I think you should. To be fair, last week I reached out and I, I was like, hey, if anyone knows how to do website design, hit me up. And then someone immediately hit me up and we're having dinner on Wednesday to talk about our website. So there you go. Awesome. Yeah. Is he hot? Yeah, I hope oh, so. Yeah, at least you're taking him out the dinner. You know, actually, crazy story. Uh, we were we were chit chatting, kind of you know bull, bullshit about the Rangers, feeling each other out, flirting a little bit through the text messages. And by the way, I know I've gotten stuff on this, but this uh, podcast before about hey, are you into men? And I get I understand why you think that, but uh, I'm not. Thank you. Just to thank you for all the offers, and I appreciate it. That being said, before uh, before we go into Thrones, one more thing. It's been a weird people watching today from the window. Okay. I just watched I just watched a kid who has to be like maybe eight or nine years old, just smack the shit out of his mother. What? It's kind of uncomfortable. What is happening on this podcast? Uh, that I just want to end, end that story so I don't end up in a weird note there. Because uh, <laughs> I, I totally did before you inter- interrupted me. Well, remember remember how the thing used to be, like, what is Greg watching on TV? Yeah, well, now since it's... I moved to co-host, it's what is happening outside Greg's window. Greg's not letting and, me finish uh... this story. He's like, I just want to make sure Ryan knows. <laughs> Everyone that Ryan knows is flirting with a guy who's going to do the website. Thanks so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Perfect. The funny story yeah, is... Smack the shit out of his mouth. <laughs> I don't know what... 
<laughs> okay, this is uh, this is done. The funny story is I used to see his band when I was a kid I, all the time, and now he's gonna do our website. That's super weird. Life is small in the island. Oh, he was in the band. Yes, he was in the band. Oh, okay. I, I used to go see this band that's all the time. A, that's a great story. I wish Greg didn't interrupt. Yeah, me. I know. I, I, no, I think mine was more important. No way. I, I just wait. I went like I went fucking abuse. Like, who do I do? I call like a, do I call someone? Yes, call that one. What? This child is abusing their parent. Uh, I don't know. But I was. This guy's gonna build our website. It's an important story. Cool. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> great. Wonderful. Uh, thanks, Const- Thrones? thanks, Constantine. Yeah, we're going to move on to... Uh, shout out to Constantine for building our website. Uh, we're going to move on to Thrones. Okay, here we go. Follow us to Terry Bush's break. This week, uh, actually later in the week, I'm going to be doing a uh, an in-depth Thrones episode with one of our Patreon supporters. I don't know if you want to be part of that, Greg. Maybe not, but... Uh, well, you were ta- what are we talking about? What are we talking I don't know. We'll talk about it off here. Now, uh, that'll okay. be coming out along there this week. So let's just do natural kind of first reaction here. Uh, the I- Avengers of Westeros. Was that manufactured hype or was that hype real uh i think it's hype real hype is real right like everyone at the same like has john just come so far as an actor i guess kid harrington whereas like i didn't really like kit for a while he was kind of a mid-level actor i would say and now all of a sudden i'm all in on kit i love the way he's he's at his acting is gone like the whole just he's just like everyone's gonna die why are we just fighting together everyone puts apart their uh you know their differences and now they're going to capture a white walker Oh, silence. Um, well, I, so I rewatched the episode after work today. And when you rewatch on HBO Go, you get like the On the Thrones post talk with DB and um, whatever the fucking guy's name is. Oh, David the, Benioff. Yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah Benioff yeah. and White. So I, I completely forgot. I don't know about you guys. I completely forgot that they tried to take the hand of the first White Walker they brought through the wall to King's Landing, and it just never got there. Oh, I totally forgot about that. I I, I didn't remember at all. Like, the guy the the guy who had the coup with Jon Snow at the end of season, whatever the fuck that was, they sent him to King's Landing with the hand of a White Walker, but the hand apparently rotted before it got there, so they never delivered the message. Sir Alistair Thorne is the person you're thinking of? It. Yeah. And so I completely forgot that happened. So I guess the, the theory, like... The only way they could bring a White Walker down is if it's still alive, right? Yep. I don't think they can kill him and then bring him. No, they have to, like, bring him down. So I have a theory about what's going to happen here. Right. I think one of those people in that team is going to become a White Walker, and they're going to take that person down to King's Landing. Now, I think that, as long, as... that person might be the Hound. Now, the mm. Hound... Oh, I heard a different theory. Okay, well, and we'll go over that right now. But yeah, the yeah. Hound... Uh, the theory has always been Clegane Bowl, where they're going to fight each other. Undead Clegane Bowl. The Hound versus the Mountain. You guys ready? That's That That would be hype. That would be nuts. I'm, I'm hype as hell just thinking about that. I like, he gets he like gets loose for some reason, and the Mountain has to fight the Hound all of a sudden. Oh, I'm, that's all I want. I think if Clegane Bowl happens, I still think it happens in the scope of the Hound is trying to defend either the brother without banners guy or danny hmm. and cersei planted that whole seed of this is how father would want us to fight by getting close to him and then stabbing them in the neck so makes it seem like cersei is going to have this armistice with danny they're going to be chummy and then that's when she whips out the mountain and that's when the hound is like no 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 motherfucker hmm. see for me i'm not sure i think cersei might end up 
getting it this season. Maybe they'll wait till next season. I'm not sure. It feels like they're doing a lot of setup, right? There's only two episodes left. Yeah. So well, I want I want to hear Jeff. I want to hear oh, yeah, Jeff's Jeff, theory, and then I'll just yeah. Oh no! Just the theory that I had heard was that it was Beric that would become uh, white because he's been dead all the, like so many times. He just didn't. Mm, that was his yeah. purpose. Like he's being kept alive for that purpose. Um, but on Cer- on the Cersei point, like my big question is, why do they need to like make peace with her in order to fight the White Walkers? Why can't they kind of just keep her at like arm's length, like and just deal with the the battle in the north and then if she attacks you know deal with that but like it doesn't seem like they need her to completely stop fighting them in order to deal with the threat from the north i think if you guys- i think it i think it comes down to danny doesn't want to deplete her army to a point where um cersei will now have the upper hand once again like they don't want to give she doesn't want to give cersei time to rebuild she'd rather but just bring burn cersei your with own her. ships you have dra- like euron is most of the like army that she has other than whatever Lannister people are left and like just fucking burn them and, and burn that's the a, ships and burn point, the people. Actually. You're not burning the cities. And then what is she going to attack you with? Not you're, not, you're not wrong, but I'm just, I'm, I think I'm trying to give you what Danny is thinking as opposed to what the logical thing would be to do. I just, Oh yeah. I also, I want to just hit on this real quick. Do you guys think that Cersei actually is pregnant or is that a, a false? I think it's a false. I didn't realize she was pointing to her womb. I thought she was just pointing to her vagina. Oh. Like, what? you want to defend this, then you can defend it. <laughs> I thought that was super like, I, I just thought, I thought she was making a sex joke. Oh. I really did. I thought at first she was like, oh, no, you got you to gotta protect this pussy. And I thought Jamie was going to That be says like, yeah, so much about you. All right. Um, <laughs> I just... No, I, I, I think she is. I think, you know, you see her forcing herself on Jamie pretty much a few episodes ago. Like, I think she's actively doing it for a reason. I don't think she has a reason... To hmm. fake it, like I, think, I don't know what her motivation. I think her would motivation is to, like make Jamie like more loyal to her because she feels like she's losing him. Maybe with the but she could just do that with a real pregnancy. Like that's probably why she's trying to fuck him so. That's much. actually that's true. You're right. So maybe it is real. This episode had so much go on. I feel like we could talk about it forever. All right, first, but we we have to deal with the first scene first. Okay, because it's bullshit that Jamie survived that way. Yeah, I agree. Like can, we can't do a little mouth to mouth on the shore. Like at least make it a little more believable. That it was a struggle to get away from that. Oh, this whole well, this whole show right now is moving at a million miles per hour, and my whole, I know, but like at least do something that is not like, hey, we're gonna pretend like he's drowning, and then like the next episode he's totally fine and just gasps for air, like a million yards away from wherever they went into the water. Yeah, it, like just give me something where like just give me brawn mouth to mouth on Jamie. Not that I want them to make out, I do. but like my, my whole my whole problem with the scene is just. How far did Braun throw Jamie off this horse? Because they went from That's literally running in the shallow, shallows to apparently this thing being 20 feet deep. Like, did the, did the water yeah, fall off the, a cliff? The perspective of it is, was not greatly portrayed in the last episode. At all. Yeah. But, it, um, all right, oh, I have another question. Because I'm not, I'm not sure, and I'm not on the waiver wire anymore to post shit like this. Okay. Does, um, does Daenerys know what Jamie looks like? Does she know that that was Jamie Lannister charging at her? I think, first off, no. Uh, first off, for everyone else, the, that, that group is where we post everything online with, between our friends. Second off is, <laughs> no, uh, I don't think she has any idea uh, that that's what Jamie is. And I think Tyrion knew, and he didn't want to say, like, that was my brother, let's go get him. So I think that's why he let him kind of escape there. Obviously, he I meets think, up with him yeah. later on. She may she may have known because while she might not be able to recognize his facial features, I think Jamie was close enough to her where she could see his fake hand. But if she knows who it is, there's no way she leaves that battle without finding him in the river. 
Well, she might have assumed he drowned. Just, you got to get that body. Yeah, yeah. Jamie Lannister. It's weird that they, they, he was so far away. I, I, I posted right away, like, this is crap that Jamie. Jamie's my boy, but it's crap that his plot armor just put him, like, a mile away from everyone else. But they, uh, they just didn't have to portray it like that. Make it seem like it was a struggle, like they just barely got away. She got distracted by something else. Like, you, don't, you just don't have to show it like that in the show. I guess yeah, so. Anyway, I'm, 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 I got it out. I'm moving on from it. Okay. Yeah. Let's I, talk I, about I, how. I still love it. I hate. It's a storytelling, and I just got over it. I hate Danny. I really don't like Danny. I think the way she, she, I feel like she has a lot of Mad Queen in her, where she just loves burning people. The way she handled the Tarly situation was pretty rough. I, I'm pretty mad at Dickon because not only did he have a great funny name, but I kind of liked him as a character. I mean, he didn't add anything to the story, I guess, but he did sacrifice himself for um, literally no reason other than what, like, the honor he had with his father. And just, it just feels like she's sort of out of control and just has this lust for something that doesn't matter anymore and doesn't understand um, that it doesn't matter. Again, by watching the, like, the post-credit scenes with the executive producers, they brought up an interesting point where they were kind of defending her actions, saying she's not really the Mad Queen because unlike the Mad King, she gave them a clear choice. She like they didn't have to die if they decided to bend the knee. Nothing bad would have happened to them, um, and it it does harken back to a little of season one as well with Ned Stark, where Ned Stark always said, uh, "If you if you give the punishment, you have to carry it out as well." So Danny is in a way. It's not like it would have been weird if Danny said it once and then said, "All right, take everyone that didn't bend the knee," as opposed to making an example of the two strongest leaders and then allowing everyone to make a judgment from there. Um, but I, I understand your gripe. I just, I think there is some reason behind what Danny did. And uh, I, I think. I guess she's trying to be a, be a little, leader. it would be, it would be a little unfair to call it, you know, insanity because I think doesn't Varys say it later on or uh, Tyrion say it later on that, you know, in order to become a leader, uh, like becoming a leader is bloody. You have to be able to, you have to, you have to show people why you should be worth following and why you should be feared. That's fair. So Danny had to do something. I guess it's just I really don't like her character, and I haven't in like I don't think I've ever liked Danny. There's never been a time where I've been like, yeah, Danny, like ever. I've always been like, eh, dragons. No, I, I don't. I don't think that I've had that either. But I, I agree with her burning the Tarleys like that, though. Like she said it perfectly, where she's like, if that's a choice, many will take it. And she's like, I cannot get all these people together under my rule if I don't, like, drop the hammer like this. Because otherwise nobody will respect me. Nobody will fear me, like Greg said. She, this is just what she's got to do. This is her first, like, showing of, like, here's how I deal with shit in Westeros when people go against me. And that's how it's got to be. Here's actually a great transition. There's one Tarly left. Samwell. And... Yeah, can he, can he just fucking let Gilly finish reading? Just shut up. Like, that's all I I just like we I think it's one of those things where we all know, but they don't know. Can you just let Gilly finish what the fuck she was? It saying? was the, perfect... the the funny part about this is that I'm rewatching like through season three now, and Sam is like all all every night watching, he's like, Oh, so and so from this thing married this person on this. Oh, we're at the fist of the first man. Isn't this where this battle happened? And he's just spouting all, off all these facts with people who don't listen to him, and he's just being such a dick to Gilly for doing the exact same thing to him. The show, such an the show has done a great job coming full circle and harpening back to early seasons that when you actually binge watch later on, it's going to be phenomenal. Like, once the series is over, I think I'm going to do one more run at it. I don't really do that with many shows. I've done it, I think, with just Breaking Bad. 
um, which is a, a whole another story. But this, this, like you said, he, it's just him being exactly who he he was talking to back then. And she goes ahead and she says Ragger. Like, she's trying to say Rhaegar, obviously. And uh, the annulment of the marriage. And that, I think that was the perfect way to kind of reveal that it is John Targaryen. And it's what we've all known the whole time. Well, we didn't know that, right? We did. I mean, we knew. Yeah, well, we, we knew that he was... We didn't know there was those an annulment. Were his parents. Yeah. We didn't know that they were legit. He was legitimately... No, we had we had no idea and the heir to the throne over Daenerys. Right. Do you think that that's going to come up? I honestly don't because I still get the vibe from John that he's a reluctant leader. Like he he does it because he has to, not because he no, wants to. No, but somebody is going to find out that he's the true heir. Like that's just, it's going to happen. So like that's going to come forth. They may not know about the marriage thing until after that, which would then put him ahead of Daenerys. Hmm. You know what I mean? That's fair. Yeah, I I, I mean, I, it has to. It has to come to light. Um, I, I wonder. It's all going to depend on what the Danny John relationship is when it does. It seems like they're on a they're on a trajectory where if it does happen, I think it would amicably amicably resolve itself. You know, oh, yeah. I, if, they, I, if they get together and they're like real friendly with each other, but I I doubt that's going to happen. You never know. Like, here's, like the, whole, the whole thing. The whole thing about Game it's, of Thrones it's is leading we, way too much in that direction for them to just be like, "Oh, here it go, happy ending for you two. Like something's gonna fuck it up. The thing with Game of Thrones is we've never had a happy ending, never once. So it would be completely on brand for it to end miserably. But I'm just saying, if the show ever does end happily ever after, that's one way. But I, I, I still prescribe to the notion that I honestly think everyone's just gonna die. Like I think that's how the show ends. You know what would be great, and probably not great for everybody else but me, because I just like anarchy and stuff, is if John never finds out who his parents are, and he just dies, and like nobody ever finds out in the show, and the show is just like over with all the White Walkers taking over, and nothing ever mattered. Yeah, I, I still, I think there's, I think that's more likely to happen than John figuring it out and living happily ever after. I think everyone's gonna die. I'm, I'm kind of on that train. I think there's like three people that end up being alive. So, like, like, what's your most batshit insane prediction for what could happen? Everyone, not that we, Sam not, Sam, not what you think will happen, but like what you think could possibly. Yeah, I was actually gonna go with, with Greg. That's weird. Yeah. I literally Sam, Sam's Sam's the last man standing is I think the last thing that could be batshit insane, but also realistic I, enough where it's not impossible. What if John loses to the Night King on this raid? And becomes a White Walker for the rest of the show. I've thought about that too. King of the North. (laughs) Oh, hey. I've thought about that too, and there's, I think there's a chance it happens. I think it's in play, but at the same time, I, I, I really, my prediction for the end of this season is that, uh, is that John and Danny do it, like straight up. I mean, he's got to ride a dragon by the end of the season, right? Um, I think next season's when he rides the dragon. He rides the dragon. He's probably not coming back from North of the Wall this season, though. Who knows with the way they travel through time? It's this, incredible how fast year. everyone travels That's... in the show right now. Well, so there are two episodes left, but there are, I think three hours left in the season, right? I think the finale is a two-hour. No, yeah, it's, he's it's, been it's whole eighty-one minutes. The wall. It's eighty-one minutes, by the way. Next one's seventy-one. Oh, it's 81? Next one's seventy-one, and then the next one is eighty-one minutes after that. Okay, I got your back. Thank you. Um, I, 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 I yeah. So he's he spent whole seasons don't know beyond the wall. Like they they're not going to cover it in like one and a half. I mean, they yeah. could the way this season's been going, but it, we can probably won't. Now we all agree the letter Arya found in Littlefinger's room was a plant, right? Yeah, definitely a plant. 
hundred percent. I just want Littlefinger to die. I've never, I honestly, throughout this entire show, I never, like when Joffrey died, I wasn't even at a point where I was just like, all right, well, he needed to go. I'm at a point where I just need Littlefinger dead. Like I'm tired of him. But you, you mean like a plant as in he wanted Arya to find he it? He wanted Arya to find it. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, think absolutely. I, I, I would go so far to think, I think that's a dummy letter. I think he, I think he did ask for a letter and he has the real one. And that was a, that was a fake letter. Yeah, he's no, he's playing dumb. He's trying to set her up, for sure. Yeah. No, no, no. What I'm saying is, I think he asked for a specific thing from the maester on purpose. Kept that thing on him and put a fake letter in the bed. Got it. That makes sense. Wait, what? Because he, he, because the the letter is but the letter in the bed was the one that Sansa wrote. Yeah, she did write that that letter. It's the Sansa letter from. How is uh, that a fake letter? Why would it, why would he benefit from? I think he, a fake letter? I think he purposely called the maester and said, "I want this letter." Uh, and then put that in there when it was, it's really another letter he's looking for. It's the letter that's legitimate. No, but I not. think, wasn't it like the woman that he was talking to that could have stolen the letter? Hmm, I think, it, I, well, it, what, wait, why do you think that he wouldn't ask the maester directly for that exact letter? No, I think he, oh no, I'm saying, I think he asked the maester directly for a letter. I don't think it was that one. I think he, so how did he get it? He got, he got it from the maester. Let's clear things up. He got that letter for the maester on purpose. Right. What is the letter, by the way? The, Refresh my okay, memory. Okay, the letter is, I, is. I know it's from Sansa, but I didn't remember what it was. It's pretty much Sansa saying uh, in a letter, "Their uh, dad rebelled against uh, the king. We killed him. I love Joffrey." That's that's. Oh, uh, that's right. The the letter from season one. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Not a fake letter, Greg. Not, not a fake no, letter. No, 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 no. I'm I'm not saying the letter is fake. I'm saying that maybe Littlefinger asked for two letters: the letter that he wanted and the letter that he wanted Arya to find. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying there, there in this scenario there might be, what I thought was two letters. Yeah, like yeah. the letter Arya found was very much the letter Littlefinger wanted. The her letter to find. you're thinking about is the letter that was sent from uh, King's Landing back then that says John's legit. That's the letter you're looking right. for. Right. That's that's the one I like. I thought Littlefinger. Oh, I see what you're said, saying. Like, yeah. John's a Targaryen. Yeah. There's there, and that's the there's a letter wanted. in Master Lewin's files that says John's a Targaryen. Wait, wait, right. wait, wait. So what about this? What if Littlefinger is not trying to pit them against? Well, he might still be, but he's just had that letter the whole time after they received it in Winterfell. Uh, no, I think he's trying to pit Arya against Sansa. Uh, that yeah. too, but okay. He needs he needs to provide Sansa a reason to come back to him, and the only way he's going to be able to do that is to pit her against her sister. Okay, but no. But what I'm saying is, what if ever since. They received that letter in Winterfell, or what? Since he got to Winterfell, he's had that letter in the mattress that Sansa Sansa wrote to for his own safekeeping, and so, independently of that, he's trying to get the John letter from the Maester. So are and you then just happens to see Arya coming out of the thing, and he's like, "Oh shit! What did she find in there?" And doesn't know it's necessarily the letter. You you do realize you're basically more eloquently saying everything that I've just said to you that you called me back. Because I didn't understand before. what you were saying to me. I couldn't <laughs> I, understand what you were saying. I literally saying. said the letter that Littlefinger asked for does not necessarily have to be the letter Arya found. That was my point. That's it. Yes. That was the most complicated yeah. three minutes of this podcast. All right. I'm so sorry. Let's uh, make some predictions for next week before we head out of here. Uh, I do think someone someone in the party has to die. Uh, I don't think it's the Hound. I don't think it's John. I don't think it's Davos. I don't think it's Tormund. But I think, and I, 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 well, I, I basically agree with Ryan. Right? I think it's uh, the dude that's been dead seven times. I didn't say that. I did the. Uh, I said the Hound. But I understand. 
I, th I think it's. I think the dude that's been dead seven times dies again. Also, Davos uh, is staying because... uh, staying behind. Just so you know. Oh, is he? Yeah. I thought he walked through the wall. No. Last part of that, actually, I, Davos is maybe the best character on the show. Has the best one. Oh, he's the greatest. Has the best one-liners, the sickest burns, the the fermented crab. Like everything about Davos is just incredible. Are you still? I thought you'd still be rowing. Like, ah, oh, just a perfect character. He's got the accent, the humility. Yeah, humor. he it's kills great. it every time he yeah. does green. Good for him. The, the, the line of the week was, what do I know? I've just lived a long, full life. <laughs> every, but he has like six or seven of those lines every week. Uh, you're looking at a good heart, uh, the rowing. Uh, king. He's the he's the king of the north. <laughs> yeah, this, is, this is Jon Snow. Of, he's a guy. He's the king of the north, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, he's, he kills it. Uh, Jeff, predictions? All right, so it's... Gonna be the penultimate episode of the season. That's usually when the battles happen, right? Yep. So, doesn't really seem like there's any on the frontier, except for maybe with the whites, unless Euron comes back around. Um, it seems like that's gonna be the major conflict there. So I'm gonna predict yeah, I, some I major shit happening north. Euron wasn't showed in the next week on, so I think he's kind of. I don't watch those. So, you know, Sorry, my bad. Spoilies over here, please. Well, I, I kind of already did. So. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I will say that this next week's on gave me chills for sure. It just, it's I, I can't spoil it because it's so cold up north. Oh yeah, it's just so hey. chilly. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, it's just so chilly, and uh, it just says winter is here. It's amazing. So no, you can tell me what happened. It just literally just says winter is here, and then shows them yeah. like getting yeah, ready to. Basically, the entire next week on is them running towards White Walkers, and then Run, running running very away fast from White Walkers. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Scooby Doo cut. Uh, very, it's, fantastic. it's just that so uh jeff thanks for coming on buddy we're gonna get out of here uh, thank you for having me sorry for all the nonsense no don't please that's what we're here for <laughs> we're a nonsense podcast we're uh, we're a new york rangers mets nonsense podcast so jeff your thoughts on the jay bruce trade oh, real quick God. i agree with everything that you said the other day but which by the way was an amazing experience i don't know if you told this to ryan but i downloaded it first when you had the fucked up audio and it was a very unique experience where it was like I was sitting between the two of you and Greg was speaking into my right <laughs> ear and you were speaking into my left ear. And it was just listening to you two converse. Yeah, I forgot to – I'm going to post that uh, in, in the beginning of the show where I talk about – sorry about posting the audio. Uh, <laughs> it was so great. Yeah, so – Yeah. It was, it was just funny because just to hearken this, bring it full circle back to Vin. He listened to the episode as well, but he can only have one earbud in at work at the same time. <laughs> So he said, he said it was just listening to me randomly respond to things that Ryan was saying without knowing what Ryan was saying. Uh, uh, we have. Uh, did he ever tell the the door story at your party? The door? The what? No. Oh, what? The door story? What's that? Yeah, of him being in in the door waiting for his friends to get home. No. You want? Oh, okay. Are, are you gonna? You, I I can't tell for. You're him. gonna cliffhanger us. You have I'll, to get him on the show to tell this story. I'll, I'll, I'll have a conversation with Vin because I don't think – if he told me about this, I was, I was seven sheets to the Well, window, you can't just say the door story and now we're going to have like people contact I, us. It's be like, too good of a story All right. to, to not tell. Tune in. Ryan, this is how we get listeners to come back. Tune in next week for Vinny at the end of this podcast to talk about the door story, which will probably be underwhelming. So, but come back. <laughs> I promise oh. you it's not. Okay. I've heard some pretty whelming stories from Vinny, so uh, <laughs> he has an interesting life. All right. I have to go to bed. All right. Let's go. Uh, I'll talk to you guys later. Follow us on Blue Shirts Break. Jeffy, thanks for coming on. And we love you all. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.